Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. I don't know how we haven't done this episode. I don't before. Either. I think we just got so excited to talk about so many things that this fell through the cracks. But we are doing an anatomy lesson today. Yes. We did like a brief anatomy mm-hmm. overview. This was like one of our first episodes. I remember it being a very dense episode. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was like a textbook like anatomy class. Um, but we wanted to just kind of dive a little bit further into female anatomy specifically. We'll have another episode on male anatomy. Um, obviously not quite as complicated as what's going on with the ladies. Um, but we wanted to just do this. Um, I think you had a patient. Okay, yes. So I realized this episode was needed when I had a patient and this and I do not say this like to make fun or to mock, but this is a she's about my age. And I was doing we were working internally and she asked me, So so are you like working in my uterus when we do this? And between that and then just other conversations with a ton of different people, I realized our education system has failed us when it comes to female anatomy and not even like the in-depth, like where is an ovary, where is a fallopian tube. We don't even know how, most women don't even know how to speak about their external anatomy. We lump it all together. We call it all just the vagina. And I think it inhibits our ability to effectively communicate with medical providers about what is truly going on because we can't be as specific because we don't really know anything about our external anatomy. I'm going to be completely honest. It probably wasn't until the pelvic floor courses in PT school that I was, or even maybe some of my college anatomy courses before Mm -hmm. I fully understood female anatomy everyone knows about the uterus and the ovaries and but like the external the external part of what everyone calls the vagina that is not your vagina and that's what I think is so mind-blowing we call it all the vagina but the vagina is really just a very very small part of the female anatomy it's like champagne it only comes from the one specific region in France. <laughs> Everything else is just sparkling wine. Literally. literally. <laughs> so I, I was like, we need to have this. This is such an important conversation yes. to have because you can have vulvar pain. Mm-hmm. You can have clitoral pain. You can have rectal pain, vaginal pain, and all of those mean different mm-hmm. things. And so it's important to know your anatomy just because it's important to know your anatomy for everybody your body yeah but if you're listening to this episode your homework is to get a mirror and identify everything we've talked about find all your parts so we're gonna just start off with the external portion of the female anatomy the external parts and that is not called the vagina nope that is the external part. So the part that looks just like regular skin, it might have the pubic hair. It's not that like, um, oh, brighter pinker. It just is going to look like regular looks like skin. skin. That is called the vulva. And that's just the general term for all of the parts of your body 
of the reproductive system that are on the outside. That is the vulva. It's the collective name for the external genitalia on a female. That is not the vagina. The vagina is its own structure inside the body. So that whole external part is the vulva. Now, the vulva can be further broken down into a couple of different parts. So the first part we have, so if you're looking, if you have your mirror and you're taking a look, those larger flaps of skin or lips around the, the, ex, the most external portion, that's called the labia majora. And those are really to help re, or help protect that vaginal opening in our reproductive organs. So this area Excuse during me. puberty, we're going to start having hair growth in this area as well. It also contains some sweat and some oil secreting glands. But that part of the vulva is called the labia. We are still not even into the vagina yet. Nope. We're still on the female reproductive parts, but it's the labia majora. Now, so if you think about that as the outside, the outside lips, as you move inside a little bit, now getting into that like pinker tissue, the smaller ones, that's called the labia minora or the smaller lips. These are where I think a lot of body insecurity starts to come in because these can look vastly different on everybody. Sometimes these, the inner lips, the labia minora, they can extend past the labia majora. That's completely normal. Sometimes they're smaller. I mean, there's just a million different ways that this can look. There's really no standard, no normal. Um, And I think a lot of times when people have the labia minora extends past that labia majora, so those inner pink lips extend past the ones that just look like skin, People think there's something wrong or it looks wrong or that's completely normal. There's just a ton of different anatomical variations. And that is one of them. It they, is normal. They can vary a lot in size, shape, and color as well. Um, they can vary in color from pink to brownish black. And the color of the labia minora can also change as you get older. Um, some people have larger outer lips. Some people have larger inner lips. Um both are sensitive and swell with arousal as well. So these are part these are part of that sexual response. These are still considered that sexual organ, part of the sexual organs. Um, but it is like Kelly said, like there's there's no real like normal. Everybody is different. Yeah, everybody is different. And if you look at like. Like, if you look at your friends, like like I said, like, everybody is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody is going to look different. Um, keep in mind that a lot of things that you see are probably going to be Photoshopped or, um, especially if you're looking up just, like, like anatomy pictures and stuff, like, it's going to be, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the gold standard. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, if we... Thinking about the vagina, if we think about it like a clock, right? So we've got the external skin all the way around the clock. We've got the internal skin. So looking at the vulva, sorry, not the vagina. Um, Now, if we think about 12 o'clock where you're going to have the labia minora kind of meeting, and then we're going to have the labia majora above that at that 12 o'clock. 
where the two labia minoris, so the inner ones, meet, that is where you have the clitoris. And we've talked about the clitoris before and how it's synonymous to the penis in men. Um, it's going to be covered by some skin that protect, protect it. It's highly, highly innervated, highly, highly sensitive to stimulation. And it is the only organ in the female body that's sole responsibility is sexual pleasure. So very, very, very important piece of anatomy to know about. I think, I mean, the amount of women that have had no clue where the clitoris is, what it is, is still astounding to me. So again, we have a whole episode on it, on why it's important, how it functions, where it extends to, all of that. Now, moving inward, the opening is the opening to the vagina. The vagina is the actual internal portion. So the vaginal opening is what allows menstrual blood to exit the body. It's also what babies exit the body through. And then that's also what's going to allow for penetration, either with masturbation, intercourse, whatever. That's where tampons, um, cups, discs, whatever, that is the actual vaginal opening. And the actual vagina is what is inside the vaginal opening. This is also right beneath the urethral opening, and this is something that I wanted to make a note of. So that urethral opening is going to be right in between the clitoris and the opening of the vagina. Um, this is in what's called of what's called the vestibule, um, and so that labia minora, as that opens up into that soft pinky tissue, you can kind of start to see everything. If you spread those labia minora apart, you're looking at the vestibule. Um, we have the opening of the urethra and the opening of the vagina in the vestibule. That urethra, if you are Caucasian, you're probably not going to be able to see it. Um, it is a teeny, 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 tiny hole. Um, you can't really see it on most Caucasian women. It's just really hard to find. Um, so if you can't see it, don't worry. It is still there. I promise. Um, it is different than the vaginal opening. You got two different holes. You do not pee out of the same hole that your menstrual blood comes out of. You do not pee out of the same hole that the baby comes out of. You do not pee out of the same hole. That you have intercourse with they're two different holes <laughs> i just like the amount of times that i've had to explain yeah. that is unfortunate and so again i want you to know that we got as females there's three holes down there you got the urethra the vaginal opening and the anal opening you got three different ones they all control different things um and so again if you're caucasian you're probably not going to be able to see it like i said it is still there i promise uh, but that vaginal opening is going to be where um where everything else happens um it is also um also important to note that I'm sorry, I totally just lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was even going with that. Well, when you think about where the urethral opening is, we talked about the clitoris being mm -hmm. kind of at the apex of where those labia minoras meet. And if you pull back the skin, you'll see it. It's going to look like a little nub. Usually the urethral, not usually, the urethral opening is directly below mm. the clitoris. And then the vaginal opening is directly below that kind of at the six o'clock mm -hmm. area. So yeah, like Rachel said, those are completely different. Um... Urethra is going to, the urethra extends into the bladder, right? The bladder empties out from the urethra. So that 
external opening goes into the bladder, whereas the vaginal opening goes into the vagina, as if that needed any explaining. But the vagina is actually a muscular canal that's going to connect to the cervix. The cervix is just a fancy way of saying the bottom of the uterus. Looking externally, you cannot see the cervix. No. Like... When you go to get your like gynecological pap smear, that's what they're looking at. They're when it feels like they're elbow deep inside of you, <laughs> like that's what they're looking for. Um, this isn't something that you can see externally, probably not something that you could even really feel with your finger, depending on the length of your vaginal canal. And once again, everybody is different, everybody is going to have a different size, length, shape of that vaginal canal. Um, and so again, the cervix isn't necessarily something that you need to like automatic like go see if you can kind of find um but this is what separates the vagina and the uterus it's right in between the two and it looks like a little donut with a teeny tiny hole in the middle um this little hole is what lets menstrual blood out and lets sperm in and this is also what dilates during childbirth so you'll hear people say like, oh, well, she was six centimeters or, oh, we're at nine centimeters. Oh, we're at 10. We got to get to 10 centimeters. Typically 10 centimeters is that full dilation of the cervix that allows for that baby to pass all the way through. Um, I kind of like to think it's almost like your, um, it's almost like your trap door, kind of like your protection, um, what separates inside from the outside, um, wall barrier Mm -hmm. almost. Um, And so if you can't, like I said, sometimes you can feel that cervix with a finger or your partner may be able to feel it with their finger, penis, sex toy, anything like that. Um, um, But again, that is kind of what separates that. It is like a door. So things do not get lost inside of you. Yeah. Unless you are in active labor, like giving birth, that cervix is shut. Like menstrual blood can pass through because it's a a liquid, liquid. but I mean, that's, that opening is, is tiny. Like you're not going to, you're not going to accidentally put a tampon in too hard and go into your cervix. And it's, it's not nothing that you would insert is long enough to even get up in there anyway, except for like medical tools. And so as long as you're, you know, be safe, be careful with your sex toys, like get down with your bad self. Um, but no, nothing is going to get lost inside of you. Like there's like, there's, you will be able to find it. it. It's not going to get trapped in your uterus, whether that is a toy, a condom that falls off a tampon, a cup, a disc, whatever that, other than like where it extends into the the cervix, your vaginal canal ends, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like a, it's almost like a tube with a closed end, and I mean it opens up into the cervix, but the cervix stays shut. So nothing. It's and that's a protective mechanism mm-hmm. too, to protect any kind of infections or bacteria, bacteria from yeah. going from that vaginal opening, which is open to the world, now into the uterus. And so there's a lot of there's also a lot of pH and good bacteria Mm -hmm. and all these great things our bodies are so amazing that are going on in the vagina to protect that uterus and the rest of the body from any of the outside germs now becoming inside germs but yeah that's another thing is it's really you're not in any danger of losing anything Mm -mm. in there nope nothing's gonna get lost um moving on up the uterus is a kind of pear-shaped which I thought was a a good way to Mm -hmm. a good analogy for it it's a pear-shaped organ 
and it is muscular. Um, it is about the size of a small fist. Um, you'll also hear this referred to as the womb as well. This is the womb where a baby grows during pregnancy. Um, during sexual arousal, the lower part of the uterus lifts toward your belly button. Um, and again, the um, and actually the, the length of that vaginal canal actually gets longer um, with sexual arousal. That's called tenting. Um, and so with the and like the normal uterus like just day to day again it's just a pear-shaped muscular organ the size of it does change depending on where you're at in your cycle as well um, if you are actively menstruating it might be a little bit bigger maybe a little bit more swollen because again we're getting that shedding of the lining lots of blood to that area um, and might kind of shrink back down to normal size um, afterwards the uterus expands a lot obviously during pregnancy we get a lot of expansion through there that is the organ that grows um, the baby isn't just like free floating in the belly next to your intestines next to your organs it is encased within the uterus it's like a little warm cushy little incubator um, that helps that baby grow um, that placenta attaches to the uterus and the, um, I almost called it the fallopian tube. Oh my goodness. The umbilical cord is what connects the placenta from mom to baby. Um, we get that blood flow. We get all that's how we get the nutrients from mom to baby. Um, so all that is going on within the uterus. Um, it takes a long time after childbirth for the uterus to shrink back down to its normal size. Mm -hmm. Um, that's usually what is kind of like the, why we say like, we don't want to wait about a year between babies. Um, and you, it's because of the uterus just to make sure that it gets back down to its regular size um fun fact breastfeeding actually can induce muscle contractions that help shrink the uterus back to its mm -hmm. original size which i think is so cool i, re I remember learning about that yeah. i remember reading that when we were doing like our whole like, like uh -huh. pregnancy series like, that is so fascinating Wild. the body is amazing um yeah but if you've never given birth your uterus really should be pretty small and sometimes an enlarged uterus can be signs that something crazy is going on I, the last time I went to my gynecologist, I had had a, a pelvic ultrasound done and then she, you know, did all her things and she just kept talking about, it. she was like, yeah, that, that tiny little uterus, that tiny little, and I was like, okay, what, is that? <laughs> I was what like, are you, you trying to say? I was like, you keep saying that like tiny as in it's gimpy. Like, <laughs> do I have a, like defective like what she's like oh no girl that's so good she was like I have actually given birth to twins and so I just imagine that my uterus is all massive she's like no but and I was just that like so okay funny. I was like I was just very confused very on here. she kept saying it like oh that tiny little and I was like huh <laughs> it's like is this a problem should I be concerned should like, I be worried do about I my, tiny my do I need to go have my uterus oh, dilated <laughs> She was like, and it's Wait, so funny. I could just feel my pelvic floor Look, just right up into just my so throat. It's just so funny because like you can like know things on a practical level, right, but right. then when you're the patient, that all it's goes like, out the window. Like I've never heard anything about anatomy ever before. It does not apply to me. And she's looking at me like I'm stupid. She's like, I know you're a pelvic floor therapist. She was like, it's a normal thing yeah. because you haven't had a baby. I was like, what do you oh. mean? Thank you so much. Thank you. I was like, I am not as dumb as this conversation just right. made me sound. Um, stupid, I promise. Yeah, but moving right along. Moving on up. So as we go up and kind of out to the side, branching off, we've got the ovaries. 
And the ovaries are these small little oval-shaped glands. They're actually glands, and they're on either side of the uterus, and that is where um, our eggs are produced, but also our hormones. And so that's something super fascinating we talked about in some of the episodes we did on our hormone cycles. It's actually the egg growing and releasing in the follicle that triggers our hormone cycles and controls menstruation and everything like that. And it's a super, super fascinating process. The fallopian tubes are what connect the ovaries to the uterus. Um, And so if you're looking at a picture, you'll kind of see, again, that uterus kind of starts to come up towards the top of the uterus. You'll see kind of on the left and right, two little tubes that go out to the side. These are your fallopian tubes. Um, They are what carry the eggs from the ovaries into the uterus. This is also where fertilization typically happens, um, is within the fallopian tubes. Now, if implantation happens within the fallopian tubes, that can be a problem um, that the fallopian tubes are not able to expand the same way that the uterus is. Um, We can actually see a rupture of the fallopian tubes if the embryo does implant there and it's not caught in time. Um, The fallopian tubes end in little fimbriae, which I think is just like the most fun word ever. They look like little teeny tiny fingers that are at the very end of the fallopian tube and they just reach out on top of the ovaries. The ovaries are like kind of free floating, like the fallopian tubes, they do not grab onto, they're not connected to the ovaries, which which was just wild Mm -hmm. to me. And so as your hormone cycles go, and we have a whole episode on the repro- on like the reproductive cycle, um, the menstrual cycle, um, with hormone certain secretions, your the a specific egg within the ovary is going to kind of quote unquote be chosen, so to speak, to be the next one. You are the chosen you are one, the chosen literally. One. <laughs> and so we're like mm, that one, and so we pick that specific egg from that specific ovary, and it expands with that hormone. Um, hormone input is going to expand a little bit, and then it's going to like pop out of the ovary and then travel into the fallopian tube. The frimbriae at the end of the fallopian tube help to kind of grab it and like, and like pick come it here, up. Yeah, come like here. come come come. And then they pick it up and then it goes down into the fallopian tube. Because there is that gap in between the actual ovary and the actual fallopian tube, on rare occasions, if a sperm cell makes it all the way to the very end of the fallopian tube and fertilizes that egg outside of the uterus and outside of the fallopian tube, we can have what's called an ectopic pregnancy. Um, And so that is where that fertilization happens again outside of the uterus. Um, It can implant on another organ, which is really, really dangerous. Um, And this is is not a viable pregnancy, Um, but that is what an ectopic pregnancy means is when that fertilization and implantation happens outside of the uterus. Very rare, but it's possible. Crazy, 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 crazy. Wild. So, all, and that's the most basic boiled down version of the female reproductive system. But my biggest takeaway that I wanted all of you to understand is the vulva is different than the vagina. The vagina is different than the cervix and the uterus, and the uterus is different than the ovaries. Yes, all different parts. Those are all different parts. Now they all work together. Um, They are all very, very important, but if you know, hey, 
So say you come in and you're having pain or you tell your provider, I'm having pain in my uterus. Well, they're going to start thinking endometriosis, fibroids, things like that. If you tell your provider, hey, I'm having pain in my vagina or in the rectum, then they may start thinking, you know, what else could be causing this? Or I'm having vulvar pain. Maybe it's just, and if you're able to tell your doctor or your pelvic floor therapist, it's going to help like them start brainstorming a little bit better. And I think it helps, you know, a little bit more about what's going on. And I just think everybody has a right to understand their body. Exactly. And everybody should understand their body. So everybody's homework tonight. If this was new information to you and we, and, and you were like, okay, wait, I have all those parts and I don't, I don't know what some of that is on my body is to get a mirror and figure out, okay, where is my vulva? Where is my labia majora? Where is my labia minora? Where is my clitoris? My urethra, I may or may not be able to see that, but I do know that it is there because I can pee. It is not the same as my vagina, but then I'm going to look at my actual vaginal opening and then understand that inside that is the vagina. Yes. One other part, so to speak, that I did want to touch on real quick is the hymen. Um, A hymen is a very thin and fleshy tissue that stretches across the opening to the vagina. Um, This can vary a ton in person to person. If you cannot see like all the way directly into that vaginal canal, um, if the hymen hasn't broken, whether it, you know, if you haven't had sex before, haven't used tampons. Those are not the only things that can rupture a hymen either. You can tear the hymen by riding on a bicycle. Like there are so many different things that can cause that. Um, but that is kind of what it is. Again, it covers that opening of the vagina. You may still have some hymenal remnants, um, within that vaginal opening. It might kind of look, um, like some kind of just like some fluffy fleshy tissue that just kind of surrounds that opening. It might be kind of pushed off to the side. Um, it might be, you know, more on one side than the other. Um, but that is what that, that tissue is. It's just hymenal remnants. Um, it is really, really common to have, um, even years and years and years after you've been sexually active, after childbirth, after whatever. Um, but you might see that as well. Again, totally, completely normal. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, debate and controversy surrounding the hymen for some reason um what they really think the reason for it is during fetal development is to keep bacteria and foreign objects out of the vagina since that is an opening so if you think about like a, a baby fresh like freshly born sitting in that diaper it's like it's like a barrier to prevent some of that getting into mm-hmm. the vagina um, to prevent bacteria, infections, all of those things. And then there's also like some really, really big misunderstanding on like the hymen breaking. Yeah. So it's doesn't like, it's not like a piece of glass. Yeah. In there. It doesn't it's break tissue. It, it yeah. can stretch. Like some people, they may have remnants of that hym- hymenal tissue because it just stretched. It's like, you know, it stretches over time. A lot of people don't even feel pain if there's tearing it doesn't usually tear the first time it's pressed most of the time it's like worn down a lot of times 
bleeding with intercourse is a result of vaginal dryness and microscopic tearing, and tearing. in the tissue. Yeah. Not from a not from, breaking. Right. So like the phrase breaking, like it's not a bone or glass. Like it's, it's just tissue yeah. like anything else. Um, it is not a good indicator of sexual activity or not. Like whether or not you've had sexual activity and it really... Like, that is so far from yeah. its purpose. So, something to keep in mind. I think that's a really important yeah. stereotype to for so many reasons so that many we reasons. need to yeah. <laughs> um, do away with. It's just, yeah. it's tissue that, like everything else in your body, it was most likely there to protect you from something before you could protect yourself. Exactly. And then as you grow and you're... We talked about how awesome the vagina becomes at producing mucus and having a certain pH to protect the the uterus. You just don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a hard seal yeah. or anything. <laughs> None shall pass. Yeah, because you can still menstruate, right? Exactly. Like it's yeah. not. It's. I think we did a whole episode actually I on the hymen. <laughs> um, because but, yeah, that, yeah, like if you've watched any like Regency era, like Tudor era shows. Yes. There's like so much around the bleeding and yes, yes. and and we talked about this I think in our medieval episode probably like some of the things like some women would like take pig's blood into like the marriage bed for the first time and like spill it on the mattress just to be sure yeah I mean I'm so glad we don't live like there are some times where I'm like oh my gosh it would be so fun like the clothes and the whatever and then I'm just like "Mm, never mind like you're a woman so you could be beheaded or burned at the stake for like (laughs) reading being able to read or having she wore a different shade of red on a Tuesday which burn her like (laughs) Oh man, I saw this comedian talking and he was like talking about the, and this is probably way more political than we need to be on the show, but he was talking (laughs) about the Me Too movement Uh and he was like um, talking about, he heard a guy talking about um, how, oh, that was just a winch hunt, a witch hunt. He was like, no, no, the difference was there is no such thing as witches. Yeah. <laughs> like there were real, like we were just burning women, killing women, hanging Literally. like for, there re- there's no such thing as witches. We're not going to look back in 200 years and be like there really is no such thing as rapists. Right. <laughs> sorry like no like he was like there's a very clear <laughs> he was like i think it was a witch hunt oh he was like ah, uh, no no there's a difference a little bit of difference there so i just thought oh, that was funny man wrapping up if you have any questions about this episode please reach out and let us know we're going to be posting some anatomical pictures just so that you have a good idea of what's mm-hmm. what and where and everything some like that. Tasteful. <laughs> it's some tasteful anatomical pictures. Again, this is not the standard. These are not the norms. This is just an example of a vulva. Um, and so listen to this episode, share this episode, let make your little 13 year old girls listen to it. Like this is a really good, we wanted this to be a good resource for any woman of any mm-hmm. age to know their body and to know their anatomy another really good resource that i think is phenomenal for young girls is the care and keeping of you book from american girl did you ever read that book did you know oh my goodness yeah so i had this book um i know a lot of like my girlfriends like my age um they all had this book this is a phenomenal book it's for girls aged eight and up um and it goes through what happens during puberty and what happens to your breast tissue and what a menstrual cycle is, what your anatomy is. I want to say it even had like a 
like self breast exam, like how to guide oh in gosh. there as well. Um, but it is a phenomenal book. Um, it literally is just like the body book for girls. Like it's awesome. Um, again, it goes through puberty and how to shave and cleanliness and like what happens when you sweat and, you know, acne and skincare, bra shopping, like everything like that. So this is a really, really good book. Um, if you do have a young girl eight or up, this is a fantastic book, um, a good resource, a good way to kind of get them that information. They do also have um, books for young boys as well. They do also have a a boy version of it too. I think it's called Guy Stuff. Yeah, it's called Guy Stuff. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) The body book for boys. Um, But a great place to start just, and especially if you feel uncomfortable presenting that information. I know having these conversations can be really hard, um, but if if you've got a young girl in your life and you want them to know um, what's going on, I think that this education is important from a young and early age so that young mm-hmm. girls know what their bodies you know what their you know what their bodies are what they what they do um and this is more on a serious note but it has actually been proven and shown in research that young children that know the actual anatomical terms for their parts vagina penis like they are less likely to be victimized by predators uh, by child predators and so another really good and you know another great mm-hmm. reason to start teaching your kids young um, teach them the words that way they know exactly what it is and if they do end up telling somebody they're gonna like they know what to tell them and that person is going to respond appropriately as well yeah. so another another reason to have these conversations oh so one of our our therapist friends was telling a story about um she was changing her little boy's diaper or something and they teach their kids mm-hmm. the anatomical terms for purely mm-hmm. for a safety reason and he said something about um mommy my penis is out or something <laughs> like that or mommy <laughs> mommy <laughs> penis and she was like well yes yes, yes honey. that is that is correct and I was just like I I mean it's a funny story but at the end of the day like Rachel said it, it's a it's a safety thing mm-hmm. and the cutesy names may be less awkward for you, but if they tell another adult, hey, you know, something happened and they insert mm-hmm. cutesy name here, that other adult may be like, okay, whatever, like move mm-hmm. on with exactly. life. Exactly, they're versus, not going to do anything about it because right, they, they don't know. No, and it's kind of shocking to hear those words yeah. come out of the mouth of a child, yeah. to hear anatomical terms come out of the mouth of a child. So you can bet that whatever is being said yeah. is going to be listened for it. Yeah. to. And so I think... I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. As uncomfortable as it may be, when start teaching your kids about their body young yeah. for their knowledge and for their safety. And yeah, I just think that cannot be overstated. And and we've kind of touched on this before. The more that your child knows about their anatomy, the less somebody else is going to mm-hmm. teach them about it. You want to be the one that you know, gives them the correct information, the accurate information, rather than some 16 year old boy that, you know, just doesn't know anything about female anatomy. And, you know, and so it's, it's, you know, from a standpoint of like being, have, you know, having been young girls ourselves, like, okay, what do we wish had happened? What do we appreciate had happened? Like, I love that my parents gave me that book. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I knew a lot. I never really had a lot of questions. 
struggled real hard to get a tampon in the first time, but I think everybody did. But I mean, like, again, you want to be able to have like those conversations, um, and, and, you know, and, and give them that accurate information and not rely on somebody else to teach your child that whether that's good or bad. But I think to be able to give your child that accurate information, you have to have it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think to make your child comfortable with their body, you've got to be comfortable with your body. And I think the more comfortable we become, with our bodies, then we're going to be able to instill that in our children and mm-hmm. our young girls or in our own boys and teach them how to be good keepers yeah. of their bodies and yeah. how to have like feel empowered in that. And that way they're never ever talked into something maybe they didn't want to do out of ignorance or whatever. And so I just think there's a lot of benefit in that. And then as a parent, you control that narrative. Mm-hmm. You make sure they learn about it in a safe environment, in a secure environment. So I just think it goes way beyond just having the knowledge about your body, which is so important. So, so important, so important. but it's just so much bigger than yeah. that. Yeah. So. There's, there's a lot more that goes into it. Kind of on that note, I want to jump into my patient win Let's for hear it. this week. So I had, this was an eval that we did last week and, uh, Bless her heart. This woman, this poor woman, she had like every pelvic floor symptom under the sun. Like everything was going on with this woman. She had incontinence. She had pain. She had constipation. She had um, changes in sensation during sex and intimacy. Um, difficulty with climax. Difficulty emptying her bladder all the way. I mean, like you name it, pelvic floor symptoms. She had it. Um, and so, Eval definitely took a while, um, but she was just so grateful and excited to be there, which was awesome. Um, and so she, after, you know, after she had told me everything, like all of her history and everything like that, she said, Oh, and by the way, um, my mom told me when I was younger that when I was peeing on the toilet to stop the flow, like to contract and hold it for as long as I could and then relax and let it, let it go again. So I've been doing that Every single time I peed since I was 12 years old. This woman's in her 50s. So since she was 12 years old, she had, she had been doing this. She told her daughter to do that as well. And so she finally had um, an appointment with a phenomenal primary care physician here in Amarillo. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and she was like, please stop. <laughs> you don't ever do that. And she, and she pretty much told her like, uh, no, that's one of the worst things you could actually do for your pelvic floor. Um, please stop doing that. Like relax those muscles. You know, we went through, you know, and had a lot of, and you know, again, phenomenal physician laid the groundwork for, um, for that anatomical lesson that I gave later. Um, but would just kind of explain to her like, nope, like this is what happens. This is why we don't want to do that. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, wait, why are you not supposed to stop and start your flow of urine on the toilet? Um, we have an entire episode about it. I'm pretty sure we called it like, please stop doing kegels on the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what we called it. So um, a lot of things kind of going on there. And so she was this poor patient. She was telling me she was like, I could left that doctor's office and immediately called my daughter. I was like, hey, by the way, please stop doing that. Apparently I was wrong. My mom was wrong. Her mom was wrong. Um, and so it was just kind of one of those things where we're like, OK, like glad we kind of broke that cycle um that you know again it's a generational thing like if mm-hmm. you don't know the proper things you're going to teach your children the improper thing they're going to teach their children and so it just kind of had gone on and on and on 
Um, but so yeah, like I said, that, that was kind of my win just because she was so excited to be there. She like loved all of the anatomy that we talked about. And she was like, no, like that makes so much sense. Like I can see why I've been like too doing too many Kegel contractions. I agree. I think I need to rest my pelvic floor. Like I feel that difference already. We didn't even get to internal that day. Like we didn't even have time for it. Um, but it was just, it was really awesome to see kind of that just like immediate difference. Um, and like I said, she was just so excited to be there. She's so stoked to to be doing physical therapy so I'm excited for her um hopefully that'll be um another kind of recurring patient kind of as we get started as we kind of get going on things um but yeah that when you told me that story in our office it made I I my life I live I live in an office quote but it made me think of on the office when Michael finds out that he's part of a pyramid yes (laughs) and he walks he goes I have to make a call (laughs) I imagine that was and what that she did. Was, it was just like her face of just like, are you kidding me? I've been doing this wrong my entire life. And I told my child to do yeah. that too. She's I need to make a call. I need to make a call. <laughs> and there's so many TikToks with that, like, like whatever, was, whatever yeah, they do part, on TikTok. That scene. And, I, and that is exactly what that made me think of. I have yes, to make a call. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah. So like I said, she is, she had stuff. I think I saw her on like a Thursday and I want to say she had her appointment with her physician on like a Monday and she was like literally even in the last like three or four days I can already tell a difference and I was like I, I, I bet it. you can yeah <laughs> I bet, I bet can. that was life-changing yep yep um oh, this one's been fun because this patient came from to me from out of state Ooh, very fun so we've been getting a couple I mean we really get we have like one patient that came really really far out of state but this we also get a lot of people from like New mm. Mexico and Oklahoma so it's been really really cool um just to see people I hate that people have to travel that far but it's so cool to see it be worth it to them and this woman she was younger having a lot of pain with intercourse and some constipation and I want to say it took four sessions before she was having intercourse she could tolerate and enjoy with a little bit of pain but she went from not being able to have intercourse at all to, okay, now I'm enjoying it, just a little bit of pain. And then two sh- sessions later, so I think we're about six sessions, pain-free and hasn't had problems nice. like consistently. So that was really, really, really fun. Again, it's just cool. It's cool to see people come out of state for this, yeah. but it's also really cool to see them come out of state and then it and be so much better. better. Yeah. yeah, and she came yeah. and she was like, she had, the last time I saw her, she, I was like, how are things going? She was like, fantastic. Great. Had Bye. no problems. <laughs> I was like, great. We're going to go out to the gym today and I'll yeah. see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we'll just see what's going on. See what shakes out. But I love yeah, that. it's been, it's been fun. I love our job. I love, I love our, our job so much. My other patient went is one of my patients gave me a Christmas card and it's the most beautiful freaking Christmas card. So precious. I love it. Literally. If you ever think to yourself, family. like, does Callie care about yeah. this? The answer is yes. It doesn't matter. What I don't it care is. if it's a picture of your child or your dog or you're like, oh, I had this really cool, exciting thing happen in my life. Do, does Callie want to know about it? Yes. I Rachel love does watching, too. Yes. I love, we love watching you guys thrive and succeed and be happy. It's just. It's the best. We love each and every one of you. Love it, love it, love it. We also love Christmas cards. I made a Christmas card of me and my cat 
forced her into a Christmas um, Santa outfit. Um, what made my overactivity worse this week was watching my cat try to just claim this Christmas tree as her home now. I thought she was going to knock it over at least three or four times because she just, if you've seen the movie Elf, when Buddy like jumps and then they're like trying to figure out like, okay, how are we going to get the star on top? And he just jumps on the couch like a trampoline and just launches himself into the Christmas tree. I'm not kidding. That's what my cat has been doing. And it like shakes and like sway back and forth. I'm like, I'm going to come home one day and it's just going to be on the floor and Salem's just going to be covered. It's a flocked tree. And I'm like, yeah, so Salem's just going to be covered in like the white flock and she's just going to be looking at me like, hey mom, how was your day? (laughs) I saw, Rachel sent me some videos and her tree's flocked. My tree is flocked and it makes a mess just like us delicately putting putting ornaments on on it watching her cat like destroy the tree I, all I could think about was Rachel must have to vacuum like 15 times Literally. a day or there's just gotta be which you have a it's Roomba just, so yes, hopefully that's yes, taking that care does, of it that does help a lot yeah that's good but it was just it was so funny it was like as soon as I put the top on Salem was like right there her eyes were huge like her pupils were dilated she was ready to go she just launched herself into this i was thinking about what made my overactivity worse because it was also cat related i was like oh that <laughs> tell, tell us your your outdoor cat trail trials so we've got this feral cat that like poops in our yard whatever we've been feeding it and carson loves it so <laughs> i was much. gonna say by we she means carson has been and, feeding it <laughs> and he like asked me to feed it like the other day he was like maybe like you should give him some chicken because i don't think he likes the cat food as much i was like he eats trash literally, he was literally <laughs> eating out of cat. he was eating out of the dumpster before us like i think he's okay um Carson loves this cat so much and like will make us if he sees the cat on the porch because if the cat sees us through the window it runs this cat does not love us no it's a one-sided relationship he loves this cat so much and it like physically hurts me watching him love it so much without that being reciprocated (laughs) like this wild animal if it sees us through the window if we've got our blinds open if we crack a blind too much it takes off and he just wants to love it so much and so I'm like just I just want to yeah and I mentioned getting a kitten and he was like well well we named the cat Sirius Black because I just made Carson watch Harry Potter for the first time and it's a black cat and he was like Sirius Black is this cat's name and he was like well what if Sirius doesn't like the kitten if we get a kitten and I was like Sirius coming inside I was like Sirius doesn't like us it was like he uses and and he was like I just feel like you don't he was like I feel like you kind of hate him and I was like no he hates he hates it's like this toxic relationship between them it's like an anxious avoidant relationship like the more the cat hates us the more Carson's like please love love us and the cat's like absolutely not I will use you for your I put towels on our furniture on our outdoor furniture and Carson was like oh that's good he can like cuddle up in it well, now he doesn't sleep on the furniture because we put towels on it. Yeah. And so he like doesn't even sleep on our porch anymore. Like he, the more we give him, the more he hates us. And like if we set out chicken, if we watch, he won't eat it. Like if we watch even from the window. Sure. But the minute we disappear from the house, he comes, he eats it really quick and runs away where we can't even see him. So I'm like, this cat doesn't care about us. No. At all. And he just loves him so much. And... I'm just like, oh, he'll oh, win him over one day. I don't think so. 
So I like, now I have like this pettiness towards a cat because the cat doesn't love my husband. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like this poor feral creature. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a whole thing. Oh, it's a wonderful. whole thing. I love it. I so love it. my, what made my overactivity worse is my husband's in a toxic relationship with a cat. <laughs> so much serious black is amazing i love him <laughs> he's his car started calling him serious black teal serious black teal <laughs> he's like did you feed serious black teal today and i'm like no he doesn't get food until i see him again yeah it's <laughs> not how this works so oh all righty well your psa this week is to take a look down mm-hmm. there get familiar mm-hmm. with your anatomy again if you don't know what's normal you're not going to know what's abnormal not going to know when to get medical attention so take a look know yourself know know thy nuts know your anatomy (laughs) (laughs) just think about that for november yeah but already all right that's it we'll see you guys next week bye